Be, I had to move past this fear of being perceived as stupid or ignorant or not knowing things. Because the reality is I didn't know things that I needed to know. And the only way to find out things that you need to know is to ask. I mean, it seems really basic, but it's it can be really difficult, right? Um, and, you know, I've never regretted finding out more information. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. <laughs> You're listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee, exploring offline realities with online personalities. Karen Doolittle is a Los Angeles-based photographer. After a feature on the Instagram blog a few years ago, placed her in the spotlight and resulted in a greater social media following, Karen found that pairing her love of photography and social media by getting a job with an advertising agency was her ultimate dream. She now works as a social media strategist for Davis Ellen in LA and came over to my place where we chatted about money and how to know what you're worth. Yeah, my family called me Peppermint Patty and I had red hair and freckles. I was this little thing and I sounded like Pepper and Patty, or like Marge's sisters, okay. like the chain yep. smokers. Yes. That was me as an under six-year-old girl. <laughs> it was pretty charming. Yeah, it was really cute. Did you did you ever like record a jazz album? <laughs> I should have. I mean, I would do that, but I have to confess that I do not like jazz. I mean, that's I mean, under, that's fine. That's yeah. understandable. But it's more I could get into it, but I'm just I'm not like mm, I could really listen to some jazz right now. No. No. But I would listen to a jazz album recorded by a six-year-old girl with a smoker's voice. <laughs> like, for sure. But I have a, I have a lower voice, right? You have a nice low voice. Uh, we both have very low voices. Yeah, we'll see how low we can go today. <laughs> um, all right, so I love that we're talking about this. I'm going to pull up it, the other day when I posted on Insta, because I went to the Design Sponge um, talk, which was awesome. So I don't know. Do you know Design Sponge? Yes. Okay. I'm aware amazing. of Design Sponge. Amazing. Love it. Amazing. Yeah. Love what, love what Grace does. And so Design Sponge just came out with a new book slash magazine and it's all about like women and, um, and basically like different work that they do. And it's, it's all, all these different profiles and on different people and the rad stuff they do. And I went and Justina, said something about money. Justina Blakeney, she's someone who has been on the podcast before. And she said, the only people who benefit from secrecy around talking about money and what people make for any given job are large corporations. And so I posted that on my Insta story. And then you replied and you were like, totally, this is so important. And I was like, oh my gosh, we need to talk about this on the podcast like now. Yeah, I mean, I completely identified with that. I love talking about money, and I think that it's really important that we demystify and take the mystery of money, you know, and really blow that up. Um, I Do you remember what you first learned about money or your first ideas? I remember being told it's impolite to discuss money. Yes, same. Yeah. I grew up, and I remember being, like, in high school and saying to my mom, Mom, like, how much do normal adults earn? And I was still trying to figure it out as a high schooler. And I remember her saying, if you make about $1,000 a week, that's good. And I was like, okay. And then I remember trying to ask my dad what he made and he would never tell me 
ever, ever, even to this day, he's never told me. He told my brother and the way he told, this is so funny to me. It's so whack. It's so whack. He wrote it down on a piece of paper and handed it to my brother and said, please don't say it out loud. Just read it and rip it up. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I feel like money is one of the last great American taboos. I read polls consistently that place money as the most uncomfortable topic above sex, politics, and dying. I mean, think about that. People would rather talk about their intimate sexual details, which I'm actually all for that. Same. And rather than talk about you know, you know, money or dying. They'd rather talk about dying than they would talk about money. It's It's ridiculous. Fascinating. It really, it fascinates me. And it's so wrapped up in identity, worth. It's like, I mean, I was actually thinking about this again because after that Justina quote, I was thinking about so much stuff in relationship to myself. And I was thinking about how my husband and I have gone to the war zones in the Democratic Republic of Congo twice. We're literally in a war zone. It is like so scary, like so much stress and anxiety around the fact that we could literally be dying. Mm -hmm. And yet in our relationship, there has been more anxiety about money than, oh, we're going to a war zone and we might die. Yeah. I was thinking about that. Like, that's actually, that's crazy. It basically goes exactly in line with what you were just saying about people would rather face death than having no money. Yeah, or talking about money or, you know, talking about what money means to them. Because you're right, it's absolutely shorthand for happiness, power, a feeling of self-worth. And really, it's like, just like that quote you read from Justina. I mean, really, when you think about who benefits from the mystery around money, it's the people who have most of it and hoard it from the rest of us. Yes. And if there was more transparency around money, we might realize, hey, wow, like, look, women are getting paid consistently less than their male counterparts for the same work. Oh, look, you know, our most socially valuable members of society, our teachers, our social workers, they do not get paid a living wage to do really, really important work. Um, And then we might get a little upset about it. Uh, I would hope so. I mean, I was looking at um, in San Francisco at the different wages that people earn and then what rent is in in San Francisco. And literally... Like teachers can't even teachers who are teaching in San Francisco can't even pay rent with their entire annual wage. Like we need to be talking about this. Absolutely. I mean, we need to be talking about, you know, income inequality and disparity. And why is it that, you know, so few have so much while the rest of us have so little and it seems to be increasingly so. And we need to also talk about, you know, being assertive about money and kind of breaking down the taboos about money and why it's important that, you know, talking about money really means, you know, the difference in your life. And women aren't socialized to talk about money. I mean, we're socialized to talk about not a lot of things really publicly um, in any sort of meaningful way. And, you know, like what I like to say, and this is very corny, and if any of my friends were to listen, they'd probably roll their eyes. It's (laughs) a mantra or I guess a piece of like, advice I give solicited or not often, which is you don't ask, you don't get. And that really is a part of like money, money questions as well, is you need to be knowledgeable and aware about the work that you do, what its value is, you know, and how much you would like to be paid for that work Mm. and Mm. be upfront about that. Yep. And especially when it comes, I think, especially when it comes to women, especially right now, one of my favorite t-shirts 
says 77 over 100 because, yeah. you know, women are paid 77 cents. I think it's up to 79 this year. Well, I have a button that I made when I was in college before I dropped out of college um, <laughs> that said 76 cents because at the time it was 76 cents and that was what 2008. So I'm glad to hear it's it's up two cents. Yep, it's up. It's up a couple cents. We're getting there. You know, just give us another hundred years. Cent by cent. I know. (laughs) Maybe the time we time we die, it'll be like ninety cents. Maybe Uh, we'll get a dollar. Literally. Wow. Maybe goals and dreams. Dreams setting them high. But I think it's so important to even know that because I didn't even realize that until I started doing more in like women's movement and women's marches and realizing like, oh, oh shit, like this is actually uh, a proven thing. This isn't just like some mad lady that was like, I'm getting paid less. Um, so it's really important to talk about it. And like awareness means that suddenly everyone can have an opinion and say something and do something. Like you said, if you, if you don't ask, like people will absolutely want to pay you less than they, you know, they're not going to be like, Oh, I want to pay you what you're worth. It is the rare person that says, I want to pay you this much money and it's a very good wage and it's more than, you know, you would ever think to ask for. Right. I mean, unfortunately, we live in a world in which, you know, we have to work <laughs> to make money to meet our basic needs. I know. And that takes up so much of our time and energy. I, I mean, I would like to think about money less, you know, than I do. Um, but it's like a central focal point of my life, just like it is with most of us. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that being the case, you know, educate yourself about money, you know, break down, sit with that discomfort around talking about money because it does you a disservice to, you know, keep it a mystery, mm-hmm. um, and ask questions. And I mean, I, I, you know, when I started freelancing, doing photo work, and that's not something that I did until I was in my like kind of early mid twenties, really pick up a camera. I asked a bunch of questions like, how much does this cost? How much do you get paid to do X, Y, and Z? What should I expect? Mm-hmm. Because I had no idea, no idea at all. Did people actually tell you honestly? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was really um, grateful to kind of have a community of people that were around me and that I also like aggressively quartered their friendship because I'm not afraid to ask and I'm not afraid to, you know, reach out to people who I feel connected with, who I feel like can teach me something that I need to learn. Mm-hmm. It's so important. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how I feel about you, actually. I feel like you have so much to offer and give. Oh. And okay. yeah, I'm so <laughs> intrigued by your personality and what you do. And I could ask you a million and one questions, but not to get off topic. Um, yeah. I mean, I ask people who are, you know, in the kind of photo world, um, professional photographers, people with agents, people who didn't have agents, like what, how much does this cost? What's the range here? And I also found like, you know, being in the dark about money and let's say in the photography world and you, you know, decide to take maybe, you know, a lower rate than you otherwise would, it really, it brings things down for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really interesting thing to say because I think, yes, Education means that we can all sort of like, as an industry, let's say specifically photography, because we were both photographers. Mm. So like, let's just talk about that for a second. But this could be anything. This could be like race car drivers. Yeah, (laughs) anything. I don't know why I said that. I Um, like, how much do you make as a race car driver? Because (laughs) I've just offered a race car driving position. It has benefits, healthcare. 
It's really good, but I just am not sure about the salary. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, but for the sake of photography, because it's what we know, um, if if we all as photographers talked, like if we had a secret forum and we were like, hey, this company came to me and wants to pay me this much money. And I and someone else said, oh, well, I, I offered them 50% of that. Then right. we'd be like, whoa, hang on. Everyone, stop the brakes. We're hurting our industry. Like, yeah. we are literally hurting our industry to have someone who doesn't know what something is worth. Or maybe, like, I think that's one of the things that I've noticed is as I get a little bit older and as people that are a little bit younger have more access to things like photography gear mm-hmm. and they're like 18 and they're super talented and they, you know, just did photography all through high school and they want to go and study more photography stuff mm-hmm. in college or maybe they don't want to go to college at all. But it's like they're young. They're living with their parents. They don't have to pay rent. They don't have to pay for health insurance. Mm-hmm. They don't have a registered business. They don't have business insurance. Yeah. There are so many things that they don't have and haven't paid for. And so for them, they're like, oh, dude, 500 bucks in a day? I am taking that job for 500 bucks today. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like, literally, literally that is like so – I mean, and it's it's hard because then on one hand, it's like, you know, photography, you don't have to have the same – qualifications in air quotes that you did if like a doctor was you know suddenly a kid was like hey i'm like really good at fixing broken arms like i know this special thing right you that i hope my doctor has that voice (laughs) (laughs) how are you feeling today oh my gosh but i just think it's really interesting especially as in like the art world specifically because there are so many things like even the world of influencers or the world of, mm-hmm. you know, like textile designers or all these different people who are creating and and it's hard to put a number on creativity specifically. It's true. It's hard to put a number on creativity. Um, that being said, you can put a number on a lot of things. I also try to have a flexible attitude. Um, you know, we're all doing the best we can. And sometimes, you know, like you want to take a lower rate because you need the money or it's okay to take a lower rate because there is another type of value, which is experience. Um, and really that, you know, decision should be made with all of the information that you can have to make it, you know? Yeah. And what you just said about sometimes you can't turn down a job because you need the money. Yeah. I think that's another thing that doesn't get talked about much. I think it's, a lot of times people say like, charge what you're worth, be okay to turn down work. If it's not your rate. And then sometimes it's like, but I really just need to pay my fucking rent and I don't have enough money in the account to pay it. So I'm going to take this job. And, and that needs to be something that at least there's permission to talk about that. Right. And there's sort of at least an understanding of it is a privilege to be able to turn down work because it's not the rate that you want. Right. So do you have thoughts on that? And have you ever turned down work? Actually, have you ever taken work that is worth less than what you wanted? And why did you take it? And what was the outcome? How did you feel about it? How do you how do you take less than what you believe you're worth and still have it play out okay? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And there are instances in which I, I absolutely... The answer is yes. I absolutely have uh-huh. taken jobs that the rate is just not what it should be. Yeah. Um, and I've sometimes regretted that. Um, sometimes I felt like I put 
more effort than was, you know, valued in return. Um, and then I got money for, and that I was also maybe ignorant or uneducated around how was this work going to be used in what way, for what purpose, for how long, all of these other important questions that were, you know, are revolved around how much does it cost? Like, that's something that you really need to think about. Um, I've taken work because I thought it would be great leverage um, in the future as far as being a representation of who I've worked for, what I've done and what my capabilities are. Like, that's always, you know, something to consider. Mm -hmm. And I was happy to have done that because it meant that I got a yes or a higher rate on another job. Um, And so you have to, you know, constantly just consider, you know, the positives and negatives of, you know, deciding to be paid less than your, you know, your work is valued. Yeah. Um, And sometimes, you know, there's there's a time to do that. And sometimes, you know, you got to really stick to your guns around what you should be paid. And I've said no. Yeah. So how do you know the difference? Because I I absolutely hear you when you said leverage. I was like, oh, yeah, yep. That's a good way to talk about it. Because I think for me, there have been times that I've taken jobs that either like literally pay nothing, Mm -hmm. like actually zero dollars or they pay less than what I would normally expect or accept. But I look at the value and I weigh up the value of like, oh, I'm going to be in the same, you know, space as these people that I really want to meet or get to Mm -hmm. know, or this is a brand that I really would like to have represented in my portfolio or whatever. Or even like I'm going to a country that I really want to go to Mm -hmm. and, um, and you know, where, where the experience and the value that I have in this is something that I'm going to leverage into other parts of my career. Um, but how do you know? whether something is actually worth it in the leverage category or how are you just like, ah, this is going to be one of those dead ends that's going to leave me disappointed. Right. I mean, sometimes it's hard to know, you know, and that's, you know, a risk of being a freelancer or, you know, you're working with people you've never worked before or with a brand or a company that you've never worked before. As far as at the end of the day, am I going to be able to look at this and say like, this was a good choice. Mm. I, the sacrifice was worthwhile and it's different for different people and it's different for you and at different points in your life. Um, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, we would all benefit from talking more to each other Mm. and also benefit from, you know, having the confidence to ask for more, you know, being prepared to hear a yes or no. And then from there being able to decide what you want to do about it, Mm. you know? Yeah. I love that. Um, what and what comes up for me and what you're saying, I'm I was thinking about just um for me about value, like equal value. Mm-hmm. So if this is costing me something to do this for you, like let's say there's a job and someone says, I have a really small budget, but I'd really love to have you shoot this, which mm-hmm. you hear all the time, by the yeah. way. Yeah. And sometimes that's true. And sometimes it's true. And sometimes it's not true. Sometimes it's a total bullshit. Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes I'm like Please, bitch. Yeah. I love you so much, but not a chance. Yes. You have the budget. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes it's about gauging that and really truly being honest with myself. Is this person being on is this brand person, whatever, being honest with me right. about what they have? So if a massive brand is like, we want to work with you for this much because our budget is small, and I'm like, LOL, no. Right. Not. Um, and then I can go back and be like, uh, no. 
Or the other, the other thing is, I think just looking at it as if it's someone and there's give and take, like for example, they're getting something from me, but I'm also getting something from them. Like it's costing each other and it feels more like a mutual, not, I don't want to say collaboration, but like there's, there's mutual give and take. It's equitable. It feels like an equitable exchange. Yeah. And sometimes I've gone back to someone who says, I have a really small budget, but I'd really love to work with you. And when they, when they spin that, if I'm, if I truly believe that they actually have a small budget, which is another conversation. Um, but if they, if I believe that they really have a small budget and I have value in working with them, I've gone back sometimes and said things like, oh my goodness, so glad you thought of me. Thank you so much. I'm wondering, would you be willing to trade blank? Sometimes, like let's say it's a brand. I'm like, would you be willing to trade some product? Mm -hmm. If it's like a blogger, I'm like, would you be willing to write up something about me on your website for one of your blog posts? Like just something that's like, Beyond just like, oh, I tagged you because you took the photos. Right. Because that, that does nothing. Yeah. Um, that's a zero percent of anything. Yeah. It does sorry, no one surprise. Ever, yeah. No one Here's the news. <laughs> it's totally fucking pointless. Exactly. And when people are like, this is gonna be great exposure, I'm like, uh, it's not, but right. thank you. Um, so when when someone says something like that, can we, you know, can I can I get you for a lower rate? Then I think what do they have that we could trade, air quotes, trade, that doesn't cost actual money but has value to it? Mm-hmm. Because um, some of those people, some of those brands wouldn't just randomly send me 500 bucks worth of stuff. Some of those, you know, bloggers with like a million readers every week wouldn't normally just write about me on their blog. But that actually has value and mm-hmm. costs them $0 in actual cash grain. Right. And so... That's where I kind of try to get into is like the playing and the, okay, well, let's let's play. Like, I want to play. Like, let's negotiate. It's mm-hmm. kind of negotiating. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that's – and I think that we should be able to get to a place where we feel comfortable with negotiating, you know, with putting forward a position, having that position being countered, being ready to hear a yes and being ready to hear a no mm-hmm. and not take it personally and move forward. Um, there's such a anxiety and embarrassment and feeling of like talking about money. You're told to feel it's tacky. It's gauche. You know, it's rude. It's like, what are you going to ask me about my age next? You know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think, you know, it really serves no one. Yeah. At all. So where did you learn what you're worth and how did you learn to start asking for it? Well, I, that's interesting. So I, before I was a photographer, before I moved to LA, which I was born and raised in LA, actually to confess in the Valley, to to be real, I'm a Valley girl, (laughs) but I did live in the Bay area for 11 years and I went to college for a while and found that that was really not right for me at the time. I wasn't in a position to be successful at school. And I dropped out and I got a job uh, at a private nonprofit called Community Employment Centers. I was working with adults with developmental disabilities. And I asked around. It's because I, I asked. I asked friends, um, you know, what's what are jobs? What's going on? Where can I maybe get one? And... <laughs> They 
I was referred to this place. And so I worked um, with adults with developmental and physical disabilities. And, you know, it. I found that I had to move at a much slower play, pace than I otherwise would. And I had to communicate um, much more directly um, than I otherwise would. And it really did train me to uh, speak frankly mm-hmm. and to... Um, be direct, uh, to speak with compassion, you know, to try to make people comfortable in difficult conversations. And it also taught me the importance of self-advocacy. You know, I worked with people and part of my job was to support people to advocate for themselves, you know, to have the most socially integrated lives that they could possibly have, the most independent lives and the most fulfilling lives. Um, You know, you can imagine how difficult it is for most people to get a a well-paying job. And it's 10 times as difficult for working class people of color with developmental and physical disabilities. Oh my goodness. And so, you know, when you're a marginalized group like that, you have to make a lot of noise. And so I worked with really incredible people who really taught me how important it is to be your own advocate, um, who advocated for themselves in any number of ways every day. And my job was to support support them to do that. And so I really learned then um, how important it is to be an advocate. And, you know, for me, it means like whether or not I get paid more or less at my job. But for some people, it meant whether or not I can go to the dentist and get this like really needed dental work or whether or not I'm going to, you know, receive however much financial assistance, like that the difference between speaking up and not. Mm. So like that became that was a really, really important lesson that I learned um, and tried to incorporate in my life um, for the better. Um, And that's what I did. So, I mean, I, you know, when I first started out trying to be a photographer and taking photos for fun, I mean, I, I picked up a camera because I was moving so slowly. I mean, and it took me a long time to get used to that. Um, Moving at a pace just so different from my own. Yeah. But when you slow down and you look around for a minute, you start to notice stuff. (laughs) wouldn't you know and so I picked up a camera and I mean I was I was lucky I didn't have to sit in an office I mean to talk about money I got paid no money to do this job yeah none's money yeah but there was so much other other aspects about it that were so valuable right um you know I became an artist during that job Mm -hmm. I you know never spent time in an office I was moving at like a snail's pace but I was out and about in San Francisco seeing everything that was going on there over a period of almost 10 years. Um, it was really neat, you know, and I also like, it was like a family that has a lot of value. Mm -hmm. I worked there for eight years and I was the person to work there the least amount of time. Everyone worked there longer than I had. Yeah. It was run by these amazing women. Um, Shirley Nanette, who still run, you know, run this, this place, like two like awesome Italian broads born and raised in the city who really treated, you know, the people that they worked with like family, you know, and they gave me so, oh my God, they gave me so much leeway. I like fucked up a million one times at this job in so many ways that I would have been fired at any other job <laughs> so soon, but I was good at my job in the ways that really mattered. Yeah. But I was like a young person growing up, yeah. you know, and, um, they supported me. They, when I started being interested in photography, they gave me time off to go do photo jobs like they were my biggest cheerleaders. Oh, it was great. Yeah, it was really awesome. Yeah. But, you know, I came to a point where I realized I was unhappy 
and I'm not one of those people who is um, ambiguously kind of depressed. I'm one of those people who's like acutely depressed, like something is wrong. I'm upset about it. I know what it is. And I'm going to be bummed until that thing is different. (laughs) (laughs) But I found myself in this place where I was like waking up every day and feeling just generally like meh, meh. And I, I mean, I love the Bay Area. I had an amazing life, wonderful friends, a beautiful relationship, great family, lived in a really cute apartment, you know, had a socially meaningful job. Wonderful. But I was, I was unhappy. I'd been doing the same thing for too long and not really pushing myself and mm-hmm. realizing that I didn't know what it looked like to like really be my own best advocate and try really hard and really do the work and see what that would mean and where it would take me. And I, once I realized like, oh, ugh, yes, I'm unhappy. Yes, this is so awesome to realize. Thank goodness, phew. You know, it's it's powerful to realize sometimes you don't realize like you don't realize that oh, yeah. you are, you know, in a pattern of behavior or way of life that doesn't serve you anymore, even if it's so great, you know, or most of it's great. Right. But sort of noticing something that's been right in front of your face. Yeah. And you're like, oh, how did I not see that? Because now that I see it, it's so there that I can't unsee it. Totally. <laughs> you're like, ah, oh, way to get a clue. Yeah. Good for you. But, you know, and then, you know, and then I decided so what am I going to do? I mean, what am I going to do here? Like I want a different job. I want to make more money. I want to be doing something more related to visual art and photography, which is my passion that I discovered. Like, what would that look like for someone who dropped out of college? What do you even do? Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. That's what I thought. I mean, (laughs) and so I, you know, did I talk to a lot of friends, which is something that I really is really valuable to do is when you want to do something new um, or want to do something that seems maybe out of your reach, talk to people who have it and are doing it and see how they got there and ask. And you'll find that oftentimes they'll tell you exactly how and why they got somewhere. Um, And so I, you know, talked to friends and I decided um, I wanted to work in advertising, you know, a field which I had no actual experience in whatsoever (laughs) at all, Um, but had the gall to think that I could do. (laughs) Um, And so I, you know, I'd never written a resume in my entire life because I went to college. I dropped out of college, worked at Buffalo Exchange for a hot minute, which is, was horrible. Like standing on your feet for eight hours, having people like personally attack you for not buying their clothes. It was like one of the most degrading experiences, by the way. But I loved it. I mean, it was cute. I was like 21 years old and I like, or 20, no, I was 19. And I was like, working at Buffalo Exchange is so cool. Like, I'm such a cool person. I buy people's clothes and then resell them. And they're so hip. Anyway, I had that job for two seconds. And then I got this other job. I'd never written like a resume in my life. And so I decided to like get job coaching. I found this really amazing online job coaching program. Whoa. Yeah. It was freaking awesome. What do you know what it's called? Yeah. It's called, oh my God, why am I forgetting? I did know what it's called. It has some kind of like corny name. I'll find it. Did and you then pay for it? I did pay for it. How much? You, was it expensive? It was expensive. It was, I think it was like, actually, no, I will be honest. My mother paid for it for me. Mother. Mother. Who, when I dropped out of college, was like, you are now paying for yourself, which I thought, fair, fair. 
though my mom did kind of swoop in in key supportive moments. Like she bought me my first like really nice camera because she thought saw that it was a passion of mine and believed that I could do something with it. So she believes in investing in people. That's cool. And then when I was trying to, you know, making this decision, you know, wanting to pivot my career, do something else, she believed that that was a worthy investment as well. And so invested in this job coaching program. And that's like another question or another topic, the importance of investing in people Mm. and being able to do that. And, you know, when you have the gift of getting that, but so I got this job coaching program and it was so great because it, it taught me how to write a resume. It taught me how to speak about my experience and package it in a way that was appealing and, you know, demonstrated my capabilities. Was it like a course? Was it like a coach? It, it had, it was a, so you, there was an option to meet with an in-person coach, which was significantly more expensive. And then there was the option to have these this online coaching, which came in modules, which I find is such a funny word, modules. Modules. I like saying it, yeah. any opportunity. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it went through, the first one was like finding clarity, you know, like really assessing like, what are your experiences? What are you like to do? And how do you think about it in terms of getting, you know, getting the career you want? Like, and that, that exercise in of itself is super, super important and not something that we're taught really how to do. Not at all. To be clear about what our skills and interests are and then how we can apply them in a way that pays us money. How do we literally go through yeah. 12 years of college and never learn that? I know. It's ridiculous. I mean, I look back at some of the things. 12, I'm like, what did, did I, I say 12 years of college? 12 years of school, education. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, Not everyone whatever. It's all <laughs> like one fucking long string of things <laughs> that don't teach you what you need to know. Basically. I mean, often. I mean, that's a generalization. But often. Yes. Often. And, you know, then you go through, through things like I'd never been on LinkedIn. I'd been getting like a million emails from my friends to like connect. And I found them super annoying and never I didn't understand the value of LinkedIn. Learned that, why it's valuable, how to connect on LinkedIn. I learned how to network, how to reach out to people that were, could start like help you and, you know, to get you where you wanted to go. Um, and so I, then I moved to LA. I figured out how to write a resume. I figured out what my elevator pitch was, which is the whole like spiel you talk about. Like I've done this and this and this thing, like Humble brag, brag. Yep. Here's yep. my goal. Exactly. Blah. Yeah. You know that. I learned how to say that That's about awesome. myself. Yeah. So, in, in case anyone doesn't know, an elevator pitch is like the concept that if you walk into an elevator and like yes. your dream boss is standing there, how do you sell yourself before he walks out? He or she? God, why did I say he? Well, I mean, because we, you know, <sighs> I'm so stressed. No, I mean, we live in this, we live, we're of the world. We We can be aware, but we, we are just socialized. Yeah. We are fucking socialized. I just said he. Yeah. I mean, I might have said he, it's like one less letter than she. You're right. Easier. Easier. It was about that. It was about efficiency, not patriarchy. You're not the problem. I'm not the problem. You're not the problem. Okay. So (laughs) she or he, they walk into the elevator and you sell yourself to them before the, they walk out of the elevator. Yeah. And what yeah. would you say? And what would you say? So yeah. do you remember what yours was? Um, it was some like form of like a much condensed version of this story, which I'm telling you right okay. now, which is yeah. essentially, you know, I just how I discovered how I wanted to be a photographer and why like being, you know, making images was so important to me. 
like my experience it's worth working with brands and then discovering oh actually I like not only like producing the creative I like thinking about what the creative is going to be like why um the how and the why and you know all of the strategic um parts of you know working in advertising I was really really interested in that I'm really fascinated by people mm-hmm. um that's why I like taking photos that's why I like to talk and have friends I guess um <laughs> Same. Same. And, you know, like advertising is all about people, right? It's all about like people's needs and desires. And how do you tell a story that speaks to those things or guides those things? Like I'm really fascinated about the psychographics of advertising. Um, You know, we, you know, create whole model profiles around like personalities and, you know, why people do things and what their needs are and where they live, what they get paid, what their interests are, all that stuff. And so I, you know, I moved here and I, you know, asked all of my friends out to lunch who were either working in advertising or working in an industry that was like a periphery of advertising. And I asked them to tell me about themselves, how they got to where they were, you know, how they felt about the work they were doing. If they didn't like the work they were doing, what type of work did they want to be doing? Um, And sometimes how much did they get paid to be doing this work? And I found that people were more than willing to talk about themselves in this way. And I also found that I almost never had to ask who that person could connect me with. That was always offered. Mm. Always. All the time. You, Oh, you should talk to this person. You should talk to this person. This person is doing this X, Y, and Z. Um, and, you know, because people are actually really generous more often than not um, and really willing to, like, pitch in, help collaborate, you know, mm-hmm. all you have to do is ask. Mm-hmm. That's it. All you have to do is ask. And I also, um, then I enrolled in this, uh, creative freelancing agency called creative circle. I'm sure. Have you heard of creative circle? No. What is it? It's a creative staffing agency specifically for creative professionals. So they place, you know, um, creative directors, photographers, designers, any, any job that's in the creative field industry, they place you with. Wow. Yeah. It's really cool. And you and don't have to, I, I recommend it to everyone. Really? Some people have, I had more success um, than other people have had with Creative Circle. But um, for me, I mean, I found the job that I have now within two months of me moving to L.A., Wow. I was very lucky. Yeah. That's very fast. That's very, incredible. very fast. So that's not um, everyone's experience. But I will say I did the work. You know what I mean? Which is I asked all the questions I needed to ask. I figured out how do I need to put my best foot forward? You know, what do I leverage about what I've done in a compelling way? Um, and not to be shy about asking as many people as possible to tell me, like, everything that they could tell me because it's, you know, not only is money a mystery, but what goes on in any sort of like professional industry is a mystery. Yeah. It's like a secret language that seems like unattainable and it's not, it's just that you need to ask questions and not be, I had to move past this fear of being perceived as stupid or ignorant or not knowing things because the reality is I didn't know things that I needed to know. And the only way to find out things that you need to know is to ask. I mean, it seems really basic, but it's it can be really difficult, right? Um, and, you know, I've never regretted finding out more information. <laughs> 
Actually, that's not true. <laughs> uh, but in a professional sense, <laughs> there you go. It's almost always, you know. And so I went, and you know, when you work at it with a staffing agency like Creative Circle, you decide up front like what the range is that you want to be paid or willing to be paid for the work, right? And sometimes that fluctuates. And the way that it works is you you don't have to pay. Um, you put forward a resume. I mean, you have to apply, right? So you put forward your resume, your work experience. You get a few references from people who have worked with you. Um, and then they, you know, start sending you, emailing you jobs that are relevant to the industry that you have experience in or want to work in. And you can decide whether or not you want to apply for them. You don't know who the company is but you know what the range is and you know what the general scope of work is. And then you decide if you want to apply. And if they, the brand wants to talk or the company or whatever, I'm so used to saying brand like a million times. Mm-hmm. I can no. probably not say brand ever again and be fine with it. But <laughs> um, they, if they want to interview you, then they get in touch and then you go in for an interview. It's as simple as that. Wow. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, I should have known about this a long time ago. And I'm, I just have to say that even though I'm being quiet to let you talk, I'm, I'm over here like, oh my gosh, I just keep wanting to like yell. That's the best quote I've ever heard. And I also am just like amazed at how proactive you were because it sounds like even when you were living in San Francisco, even though you knew something was wrong, if it was, if it was bringing up depression and like right. all sorts of stuff, I mean, a lot of people when they go into that space, are, it takes some years to get out and yeah. to figure out what's going on. So even the fact that you were like, something's wrong, I'm going to be proactive about it, and I'm really going to be pro Like, not only just kind of put myself out there, but yeah. like, I'm going to get job coaching. I'm going to put my, I'm going to get, yeah. write a resume. I'm going to talk to people at lunch. I'm going to get connected. Like, wow, that's impressive. I was ready. You know, I was ready to do that and to work hard in that way, and I wasn't ready before. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it's, I, try to shy away from overly relying or legitimizing like horoscopes or like anything related to like astrology at all. <laughs> but I will say that I was very much going through my Saturn return. Heard of it. it was so real. Like I was like reading all the books and like the articles. I was like, shit, I'm like, this actually describes my exact experience, which is that I was like figuring out who I was and like, you know, you're ready to work hard and like really push yourself into the next chapter of your life. Like all that stuff. I was like, yeah, like that is, that is actually my experience. And I only found out about Saturn returns when I was at the end of my Saturn and I was like, gosh, it would have been good to know about this before it started. It's it's crazy. It is. And like people like with serious, serious faces, um, talk about like Mercury being in retrograde, and I like everyone believes this. I'm yeah. like, I guess it's true. <laughs> I, like, I guess that this is a real thing and not a made up thing. I mean, Who in knows? LA, it's a real thing. Yeah, that's I for mean, sure. yeah, LA is is funny in so many types of way. And you know, I actually, I never. No one is more surprised than I am how much I like living in LA. I thought I would never want to move back here at all for any reason. Um, nor enjoy being here. And I, I love it. I, I love it so much. I really do think it's the center of art and culture right now um, in a lot of ways. Moving to LA, it's, it is a money town, right? For better or worse. People talk about money more here, more openly than they do in other places. And that's also something that socialized me in that way coming out of my shell about money. I mean, I'm not a shy gal. You're not. I don't know if that comes across. <laughs> but, but I love that in LA, people will talk about just about anything. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing that um, 
that I love about it because I am a person that's like, okay, why is this taboo? Yeah. It shouldn't be. We, we're all in this together. Whatever it is, whether it's money, sex, what drugs, like, right. I don't care what the topic is. Like, it could be hemorrhoids. And I'm like, let's talk about it. We can learn from this totally. together. Well, what's funny is because I actually had a conversation with this woman in a coffee shop about douching. <laughs> and I'm thinking now if I had said something as benign as like, so tell me about like how much do you have in savings? She'd be like, um, excuse me, that is completely inappropriate. How dare you ask me a question like that? But it's so funny, but it's like, yeah, like I can talk about like female douching with a stranger, like no problem. Like, but maybe with the money talk, then it's just like too intimate. It's too invasive. It's not appropriate. Like, how dare you? How dare I? Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not advocating like next time you have a conversation with a close friend, ask very, very direct questions about like their finances. Not at all. <laughs> but I am suggesting that, you know, we, we got to start talking about this. We've got to start talking and about yeah, this. Yeah. When I, you know, started, I got this job for which I was extremely underqualified for at the time. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know how we met, I think the first time was I was working, um, with make it in LA. And I think I invited you to that maker meet with Carl Kanai. Yes. Yeah. So when I got here, I actually had this job for a little while, um, with make in LA, which is awesome initiative born out of the mayor's office, uh, led by this cool, amazing woman named Z Holly. Um, she was the entrepreneur in residence at the time. And she did this study on manufacturing, basically, which revealed that, you know, there's more manufacturing jobs in Los Angeles than there is anywhere else in the U.S. Fun fact, not many people really are aware of that. There are half a million manufacturing jobs here. And she, you know, was looking around and was like, but so many things aren't being made here that could be made here, you know. And, you know, so she started studying manufacturers and she launched this initiative called Make It in L.A., which seeks to pair uh, manufacturers with, you know, people who have the resources in the space to fund products being made. So more people can have jobs here and more things can be made here. So it's really, really cool. And so we were, she has a podcast as well. And I was hosting these kind of like maker meet kind of like Instagram get togethers with people she was working with. One of which was Carl Kanai, who's an LA based designer. And I invited you. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I got that job because I asked, you know, someone some question about if they knew what was going on doing this, that and the other. And, and she connected me with Z. So cool. Yeah. And then when I started working, you know, in my advertising job, um, I was making way more money than I'd ever made in my entire life. It was incredible. You know, like I was working in a, you know, kind of underpaid social work job mm. for a really, really long time. I was you know, I never really, really struggled um, because I had a partner who also had a job and we had awesome rent control. And at uh, the end of the day, like to be real and honest, like I am lucky to have a family that if I was really in trouble, I'm never going to be on the street. You know what I mean? Even having that in like security is has so much value. Oh, yeah. And it's such a privilege. Yeah. Such a privilege. Such a privilege. That being said, you know, like I worked, paid all my bills, paid my rent, you know, made no money. And then now it was like making more money, you know, than I had ever had before. And it's because I did the work and took the time to understand what things were valued mm. at, you know, what is the work that I'm doing? How much is someone willing to pay for it? And am I willing to advocate for that? Yeah. And how far am I willing to go? 
Um, you know, and so I, I did a lot of learning, like a lot of learning, a lot of educating uh, myself about a lot of things um, and found that, you know, the answers are all there. You just got to look for them. Do you have favorite or recommended resources if someone's listening and they're like, I really want to get into race car driving and I want yes. to know race how race car much- driving. What's this race car driving topic? I don't you? know. I it, it just it's the first is this thing. A, I- is this like an unexpressed secret desire that's coming it, out? It is. You like make my- a really hot race car driver. <laughs> I mean, I've I've put you in a car. And you have. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why because you you cast me in a Toyota commercial. It's true. And I did. Um, am I still on TV? Or is it over? Um, I think you're not on TV right now, but you may be on TV more again later. But you will be large and in charge at the Staples Center next month. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's amazing. It's been so fun. But just this is like rabbit trailing. But um, (laughs) being on being in a commercial right for the past month, I've gotten so many texts from people that I haven't talked to in like two years. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I just saw you on TV. And and then I always reply like, hi, good to hear from you. What were you watching? I know. And it's so fun to hear like, oh, I was watching Scandal or I was watching like Jimmy Fallon or whatever. And I made you a star. I'm just, you know, you are a star. Oh, thank you. I mean, you're an obvious choice to work with because you I look at when I'm thinking about who do I want to be working with because I work in social media I guess if that isn't clear I'm a strategist and I think a lot about you know what our partnerships are going to be with makers and creators in Los Angeles Um, and immediately I wanted to work with you because you are so involved in the community you're doing I don't understand how you do all of the things that you do it's really amazing oh thanks really, really amazing that you do all these. I could tell you were responsible. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that you, you know, got things done and that you, you know, were a connector um, and a mover and a shaker. And so you're an obvious person that I wanted to work with. Thanks. And I tend to like want to work with people more and more. Um, yeah. So I like having consistent relationships with people. Well, I, I loved working with you and I know Jaden did too. It was so fun. It was so. so fun. And it's really cool. Like that was part of the, the whole thing was to put, use non-traditional talent in a traditional way. Right. So put, you know, people you would think of social media stars or social media celebrities or people who have an personalities. audience. Personalities. <laughs> and, you know, what would it be like to put them on TV? Yeah. And, you know, and I think we found that people think it's cool. <laughs> um, and people are proud to be a part of the project. And I think that's great. You know, we want to be um, working on stuff that's exciting. You know, that's not always the case. But yeah. as much as we can. And yeah. that was super fun. That yeah. was a really cool, fun project. Um and I had a lot of fun doing it. I hope you did so too. Fun. Oh yeah, it's so much fun. And I want—I I would love to work together more because it was so fun. And it was so—that's the other thing that I love about LA is that it's never expected. Mm-hmm. You know, like literally, I think you texted me because I remember I was watching the Oscars and you texted me. Um, and so that was like on a Sunday and the shoot was like Tuesday or something. And you were like, yeah. hey, can you be in a Toyota commercial? I was in a jam. <laughs> like that, this is, this is to be clear. You helped me out of a jam for sure. Fine. It's fine. Yeah. I'm happy to be, I'm, I, and I think speaking of money, that's another thing. Sometimes it's okay to be someone's plan B. <laughs> for sure. Well, and it's okay to talk about money. We talk about money all the time. Yeah. You know, cause we, uh, I have a budget that I, you know, have to work with creators and, Oftentimes I want to work with my friends, not because they're my friends or people that I know, but because they're often like do the best work. Yeah. And are right for the job. And so, 
it's great to be able to be in a position to use my community as a resource. Uh-huh. That's not to backtrack, but like this is also something that I will say. You don't ask and you don't get, but be prepared to to give and be generous and give back. You know what I mean? Like so important. Always ask, but work really hard, you know, and be generous and gracious as yeah, much as you can. I think that's really that, important. Mm, sorry, I'm talking over you. No, not at all. I am such a bulldozer. That's one of the feed. Like that's the feedback I get most. <laughs> Is that I'm really can be overwhelming. Well, I get the word I get steamrollers, so we can oh, just yeah. be the, uh, the. I get that too. Like I actually got sisters. that in like as feedback in my review. Oh, I Professional love feedback. Review was oh yeah, my favorite thing is can I give you some feedback? That's so good though. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, like the other the other day I was having um, a drink with a friend, and. I, I told her I love feedback, and she was like, oh, cool. Can I give you some? Yeah. And I was like, please. And actually, her feedback was amazing, and I totally have taken it on board. Like, oh, I love hearing what you see that I can't see. Totally. It's very valuable. Yeah. I mean, that's all. Yeah, that's a part of asking. And it's know? also not personal. No. It's not. If someone experiences me a certain way and they want to tell me, and I give them permission to tell me, I can either say, oh, that lands. Thank right. you. I'll take that on board. Or, wow, thank you for telling me, but that yeah. actually, I'm, that doesn't feel like me. Like, there's there's something missing, and that didn't really land. For sure. And either way, it's not, it's not personal. It's not, it doesn't need to become an ego moment of defending myself or, you know, coming up with a story. It yeah. can just be like, thank you for sharing. Totally. And sometimes, like, people will... Um, I guess, cloak their shitty opinions as feedback uh-huh. um, or like irrelevant or stupid things that you should not pay attention to at all as feedback. <laughs> so knowing the difference is also important. Knowing the difference. Yeah. I love it. Sometimes it's like, I actually don't need to hear from you at all. Right. At all. Right. And there are certain people that I would put more weight in yeah. their words. If it's someone that I already know knows me or loves me, or both, right. I'm probably going to listen to their feedback more than some yeah. some person who's just stressed out and, like, letting their anxiety come out in a way that's, like, totally. blaming me for yeah, something. Yeah, also learning how to give productive feedback. Like, sometimes I've given feedback that was actually appropriate feedback, but I didn't really deliver it in an appropriate way. Mm. So it kind of lost its, you know, legitimacy. Totally. So it's, I hear it. Yeah. I totally hear it. Um. Okay, so there's so much good here. I want to know about. Um, I want to know if there are any specific resources that you have for for looking because you know race cars. Yes. Um, oh right. So Sorry. If yeah. someone's like, I back really to race cars. <laughs> Always. This is good. It's a good thread that it we is. can go back to. It is. Yeah. I, I'm never gonna forget where we were going. Yeah. I always remember the road we're on. Oh my god, the metaphor is so rich there <laughs> and obvious. I love an obvious yet rich metaphor. Yeah. Sorry. Resources. Uh, I'm not very subtle. Yeah. So um. So let's say, let's, let's say Jimmy's listening and Jimmy's like, I want to become a race car driver. Uh-huh. And we don't know, Jimmy is man, woman, boy, girl, anything. We don't know. Yes. Jimmy just needs to know. What are resources, websites, like, does Jimmy need to just go to, where do they, where do they drive? Um, is it I like Kentucky? Like, I'm not like knowledgeable about sports things. Oh, I think North Carolina. My sister lived there, and like, don't they have like a big racing culture there? I think so. Yeah, it's somewhere over there yeah. on the lower right part right. of the country. Over there parts. Yeah, the lower right. Yeah. So anyway, um, so where do you go to talk to people? In a specific industry. Because you're yeah. saying like you went to LA and you made friends and then you took them out for lunch. Mm-hmm. Great. 
what about someone that doesn't live in LA or what about someone who doesn't live in the area where there are the specialists in the thing that they want to learn about? Are there websites? Are there books? Are there forums online? Where do, where do you go? If, if you literally don't even know step one. Right. Um, I now remembered the name of the God job. Co- God, Amazing. God coaching. God coaching. Okay, tell me because I'm going to um, link it's it. It's called Limitless Career Lab. Wow. I know. It's Cute. Yeah, it Limitless. is. It's something. I'm writing it down so that yeah. I can Yeah, and the it. woman who actually, she's a really interesting story. Her name is Ashley Stahl, and she used to work um, at the Pentagon. Oh. Like, as a really young woman, like, on, you know, like, high-level, like, government, like, fancy CIA show movie type things, I think. I mean, I really described that very eloquently, obviously. Wait, sh- she was in the show? or she No, was, like, she, it, was in the- <laughs> she, she, like, worked at the Pentagon and... Like, her job description seemed like something you'd see on Alias or, like, a show. Got it. It's, like, fancy she, government things. <laughs> but she actually was in the yeah, government, Yeah, like, but it was real life. Okay, yeah. Got so, it. Right. I mean, I really, that was really eloquent. Um, and <laughs> then she decided, like, actually, she didn't want to do that at all. She wanted to be a job coach. Which Amazing. is totally random and really Was different. she in her Saturn Returns when she I figured think, yeah, that out? Yeah, I was, like, totally. I think she's, I think she's around our age, yeah. Like very, like very stereotypical, maybe, yeah. but also like a, clearly an exceptional person, mm-hmm. very smart, super ambitious, found that she was connecting a lot of people in her area together and saw that as an opportunity for a career change. Amazing. She realized she didn't really like, so she decided to become a job coach and started this job coaching program called Limitless Career Lab. I love it. You know, cause your life can be limitless. It can be. You know, silly name aside, yeah. um, it's it changed kind of, your life. Yeah, it, it did change my life. Great. Um, so, like, if you can, like, afford a job coaching program, sometimes it's cost prohibitive. But I will say that there are resources like that um, around for free. Um, and then there are also, I know, like, look in your community. Like, often there will be kind of um, subsidized, like, job coaching and job placement programs that absolutely are a resource that you should rely on um if they are available i would say you know um look up look through your facebook friends list and see um who's on that list that's doing something that you want to be doing or even close close to what you want to be doing or maybe like a periph of what you want to be doing um reach out to those people uh ask to speak with them and, you know, sometimes I would even say I email like I've emailed random people before who were in a field and in an industry or in a job um, that I want to learn more about. And sometimes I've gotten responses. Do that. Um, you know, that's I think that's what I would say where I would start. Always rely on your community um, if you can. Some people are not, you know, don't have a rich connected community like we have mm. and struggle more. And, you know, I'm really lucky actually. I, you know, moved to LA. I had the humble experience of living with my mother for the first time in over 10 years as an adult. Um, and it was great. So grateful. I mean, it was amazing. She let me live there for a few months rent free um, while I looked for a job. And then I got a job within two months um, and an apartment that was two miles away within the same week. I was really, really lucky. Absolutely. But I also like worked hard. Yeah. I worked hard and um, I, you know, was comfortable with asking for help. Which are both really, really, really important things. And I just want to keep like 
keep bringing attention to that because I think asking for help, yes, but also working really, really hard. Those are the two key things. And I think that, um, I think especially in a place like America where that is so, we're so, we're such capitalists. Like everything, Mm -hmm. everything is about money. Everything is about, are you making money? How can you, if, if someone, you know, decides they like that blade of blade of grass, like, Oh quick, how can we make a profit on it? Like everything is about money here. In someone has answered that question. They're like, we're going to turn it into juice. Exactly. Grass (laughs) juice. (laughs) And it's going to cost $15. It's going to cost $15 for freshly cold pressed grass juice. And I'm going to drink it and be like "Mm, money well spent. Exactly. And And you're going to feel so much better because you also have a jade egg in your vagina. So wait, excuse me. Uh, Tell me more about this. You don't know about this. No. Oh my word. It's the Gwyneth Paltrow thing. Oh, is it a goop? Yes. A goop thing? Yes. See, you can't bring up female douching and not know about jade eggs. I don't. I mean, and here's another. It's like, I don't know. Please tell me more about that. <laughs> well, uh, clearly I Gwenny, have to know. Gwenny says you put a jade egg in your, well, vagina, huh. and then you use your muscles to keep it in. Oh, and the that, kegs. Yeah. And then you're, and then like it clears your energy and blah, 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 blah. And then you feel so great and your sex is amazing and your body's amazing and like, everything is just rainbows and you're just basically vibrating through life. And when she said that there was like a four month waiting list for the jade eggs in like two seconds. Oh my God. Um, I have never tried one, but I am open to, if anyone wants to send me one, my birthday is in January and (laughs) I would definitely try it. Hot tip, (laughs) hot tip. You know what's so like, as you were talking about that, like I like found myself like doing kegels. (laughs) Like, I couldn't help it. I was like, let me check what's going on down there. Yeah. And, like, I also imagine, like, what would an egg feel like in my vagina? Does it have to be jade? Mm, like, there's a couple different crystals that they... Oh, because it's, like, a crystal. Like, that's part. It's, like, the vibes are... It's like, couldn't yes. I, like, stick an egg up my cooch? And, like, what's the difference? <laughs> no, no. It has to be, like, different. There's I'm different so crystals. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. There's, there's nothing. You do not need to be couth here. Um... <laughs> So, yeah. Anyway. Wow, we are That just was a really good tangent. Really tangent. So let's bring it back. You were, you were bringing it back to... Capitalism. Oh, about asking for help and working hard. Yeah, yeah. that's really important. And I think the other thing is... Um, so, for, for me personally, with my, with my experience of kind of building, building the career where I now feel like I'm able to ask for what I'm yeah. worth, um, it involved me working at Starbucks for three years. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't want to take jobs for less than what they're worth in photography. Yeah. But I'm also building a portfolio and building, like I had to, you know, Jaden and I made an agreement that when we started our photography business that we were just going to put 100% of our profits from the business into buying gear mm-hmm. for the first while, which meant you have to have like multiple camera bodies, multiple lenses. You have to cover your business insurance, blah, blah, blah. There was this huge list yeah. of like slowly we're going to buy these one by one rather than like getting a business loan and going into debt about something. Right. Let's just slowly work our way through this list. But then it was like, well, if 100% of what we're making with photography is building the business, then we have to make money somewhere and we need insurance somewhere. So I was working at Starbucks and it it wasn't glamorous. It's not like it was just like a quick, you know, wow, I'm just like on the top, like up here, just showing you how to live life. It was like, 
getting up at 4.30 in the morning to go make coffee for basically minimum wage. Well, it was a little more than that, but, you know, yeah. not glamorous. And I think that it's okay to work really, really hard. Yeah, I mean, you know, anything worth doing is usually you have to work hard. Yes. And I, you know, it's just, I'm actually curious to ask you more about like how you cope with the anxiety of freelance. Cause for me, I made a very conscious decision around for a number of reasons why I didn't want to do freelance work. One of which is I have a hard time with the anxiety of not knowing when I'm going to be paid next and how much that's going to be. Another reason is that I, really wasn't sure I had the discipline to be my own boss. But then I think the third reason, the most important reason for me personally, is that I actually um, benefit from like working in a collaborative environment Mm -hmm. in which I'm working with other people, have a responsibility to other people, Mm -hmm. and then have the um, awareness that there's someone else's expectations Mm. about my work Mm -hmm. that drives me to like keep doing it. For me, I I learned that about myself. That's so good that you know yourself well enough to know that. Because I think that it's not a freelance isn't for everyone at all. And it might not even be for me forever. Yeah. It's for me right now. And that I I don't know if it'll be forever. I love being my own boss. But there is such a hard worker. I mean, you have the temperament for it. Well, you're a really, really hard worker. (laughs) The thing for me is remembering to actually take a break here here and uh, now and again. Um, but that's okay. I'm learning. It's true. Um, I mean, I also like have no life and work all the time too. Yeah, it is. Although you look like you have a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun. I love my life. I won't lie. I really do. I do too. I mean, I like to bitch and complain about like working too hard because who doesn't? Right. All the time. Yeah. But you know, I mean, and it's good to work hard, right? It, it feels good to work hard if you're doing work that you love to do. Mm -hmm. Most people aren't in a position to do that. Yeah. And I think for... For me, it the first like two years of being freelance was really nerve wracking because it was like, okay, we we paid the bills this month, but will we get work next month? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just about kind of it was sort of like we jumped off of a little you know we're we're basically on like a little pier and we jumped off the pier into a little dinghy and we're like in the boat going out and, and like the like pier's getting small <laughs> and yeah. the pier's getting smaller and smaller. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. Like my Starbucks job is getting so far away. That's the name of the pier. Uh-huh. And, um, and I'm getting <laughs> my Starbucks job, <laughs> a beacon of boats. <laughs> I'm getting farther. Miles. <laughs> I'm getting farther and farther away from it. And I'm like feeling more and more like, Oh my gosh, this is so scary. I'm so far away from that security of the, you know, the, the paycheck that I could count on for a certain number of hours every week. Um, what if, what if all of these other jobs stop coming in and the farther away I got, the more I realized I never missed the pier ever. Mm -hmm. I never missed the pier. Also, if the jobs stop coming back, like if the tide changes, I just go back. I just yeah. went back. Like, the pier's still there. I'm sorry. Right. Starbucks is still there. And if I walked into Starbucks today, they would hire me. Yeah. They just would. Yeah. That's just like, and that, and that again, is another thing of, like, privilege that I could just walk in and get a job somewhere if I wanted to. But what I'm saying is, as a freelancer, for me, it was about reminding myself that the work is coming in. It will continue to come in. And even if it doesn't. I have other things that I can do that aren't just being my own boss. Right. And I mean, that's, that's the thing is I think trusting like not, I, I mean, it's difficult when you're living paycheck to paycheck. It is, it absolutely is. Especially if you can't even, 
if your paycheck doesn't cover your cost of living. That's very hard. Mm -hmm. That's not something that I'm trying to glamorize at all because it's a very real, very real stress. And when you're living paycheck to paycheck, it's also difficult to save money and be like, oh, I'm going to open a savings account and I'm going to invest and buy my first Bitcoin. Like, not a fucking chance. Oh, my God. Which, by the way, like, I feel like I'm a relatively smart person and I've had several people explain to me. In fact, I never walk away understanding what the fuck Bitcoin is. I mean, I mean, I get it and I forget five minutes later Uh and then I really don't get it at all. Well... Anyway, it's uh, it. I mean, maybe I need to have an episode on on Bitcoin. I think. I mean, I think that would be a hit. Um. All right. I'm gonna write it down. I'm gonna ask someone on the on the internet. I mean, I'm, I'd listen to it. I would too, actually. Yeah. Um. Speaking of the internet, though, I do think that the internet is an incredible resource, and social media is an incredible resource when it comes to knowing what you're worth, yeah. when it comes to money, because. Like you said, sometimes you've written to people that you don't know and said, hey, can I ask you a question? And sometimes they get back to you and sometimes they don't. But let's say Jimmy and his race cars Mm -hmm. wants to create a little bit of a like pod community where he's like, oh, I know these five other people that are super into race cars that I met on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And now we're all in each other's lives and I can ask them questions Mm -hmm. because we are all in the same interest group. Instagram is incredible for that. Yeah. And I've learned, so, and there there are so many people that I will ask about, let's say, paid campaigns on Instagram mm-hmm. or photography jobs. Mm-hmm. How much did you? How much are you charging for this? Or what do you think is fair for this? And especially the wild, wild west of like influencer, air yeah. quote, influencer payment. I mean, there are so many websites right now that are trying to say like, sign up with your Instagram account, yeah. and you will get free stuff from brands for. For it in in exchange for posting, and I'm like, I look at it. Oh my gosh! I look at it, and I'm (laughs) appalled. It's like, here you can get this twenty dollar thing for posting, and I'm like, please tell me no one is doing this. Please tell me, please tell me that you know your time is worth more than taking a photo, styling the photo, editing the photo, posting it as a sponsored thing. For a free thing that was twenty dollars. Yeah, I mean, and maybe someone decides like that is their pri- like not their priority, or maybe like you know they don't put in the same amount of effort and time, or you know what they want to get out of it is you know a free tchotchke or to be paid twenty dollars and like God bless them. I mean, it's the other side of the coin of what I love about Instagram, which is that it has democratized visual art. It's meant that. You don't have to um, be a fancy artist and have a gallery show to like share your perspective mm-hmm. um, and what you're making, what you're creating um, with the world. People bemoan that everyone thinks they're a photographer and like everyone's on Instagram and describes themselves in this way. It's like, great. Everyone thinks they're a photographer. Awesome. More people making and creating things. And who am I to say what's like great or not? You know, the better. I think. That's wonderful. And it's meant that people have had a platform um, and, you know, gotten a large audience. Yeah. And then, you know, and it's also meant that brands like have realized the opportunity. Right. Which is to, you know, collaborate, capitalize, capitalize, Uh um, you know, on these people who have a large audience Mm -hmm. for a relatively small amount of budget compared to, let's say, what they would spend on TV or print media. 
um, and run out of point where it's really overly saturated, right? There are more people on Instagram than there ever has been before and more influencers mm-hmm. than there ever has been before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that means like people are accepting, you know, $20 like to post for Soylent on, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's, you know, all very, I can imagine it's really discouraging, right? Yeah. When you um, want to use the platform to, you know, connect with people in a meaningful way, but also to like advance your career, which there's nothing wrong with doing. I mean, I owe a huge part of my career to Instagram as far as like, you know, becoming a photographer, sharing my work, you know, reaching out to my community of people to make things with, you know, having that, you know, that was, that's a a big, big part of why I am where I am, where I, you know, am today. Mm. But, um, it's, it's a really interesting, interesting world. It really is. Yeah, yeah it is. It, it is. But I think that for this topic specifically, the idea, I mean, if someone, if someone actually like on Team Woodnote, if someone sent me a DM and said, hey, I'm like a budding photographer or like, hey, I'm in college and I really want to be a wedding photographer or mm-hmm. I really want to be a commercial photographer yes. or whatever. Oh, you're circling us back. This yes. is good. Yeah. yeah. Us back to the yeah. Point. Oh, I'm a, I'm a circular. I'll remember. You're I'll so do good. It. I'll do it. Um, if they were like, how much do you get paid for this? Mm-hmm. I will tell them. Yeah. I will tell you if you are listening to this and you're like, how much do you get paid for whatever? I'll tell I will you. Tell you. Yeah. And sometimes we sign NDAs, which is a mm-hmm. non-disclosure agreement. If you don't know. And that's a very common word that gets thrown around in L.A. because everyone's signing a damn NDA for freaking everything. And the number of times that I get an email from a brand that's like, hey, we love your we love your aesthetic and we'd love to have you work with us. But we're about to tell you about a product that we're coming out with that no one knows about yet. So we need you to sign an NDA that mm-hmm. you won't tell anyone what the product is. Right. And then we'll tell you about the product to see if you want to work with us. Right. And I'm always like, oh my gosh, here we go. Like, it's just so. Right. What is it going to be? Yeah. And sometimes it's really cool. And sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, no, I don't want to, I don't care about right. that. Or like, it's like a flavored soda and it's a diet soda and right. I don't drink soda totally. or diet soda. Yeah. And I'm like, sorry, I don't care. Yeah. Um, but anyway, NDAs are everywhere and obviously that's a legal thing but going back to the very beginning with what Justina said yeah. like the big corporations who are making us sign NDAs are the ones who are benefiting from not telling what you know some someone is worth or what something is worth but we as like friends as community as other people working in the same industry we can say to each other hey by the way I'm not going to go and tell you and break my NDA, but like make sure that if we're working in this industry, that this is what we're all kind of agreeing is the standard sort of range. It doesn't have to be the exact dollar amount that we're like. on the same page. Yeah. That's why we have unions, right? I mean, I mean, we used to have a lot more unions than we do now, but you know, typically, you know, someone in a union makes 10% more Mm -hmm. um, than they would otherwise because they've collectively negotiated and establish like what the value of their work is monetarily and then will always be paid that and have an equal stake in determining what their work conditions are going to be like, 
the terms of their work, you know, any, any number of things that seem so foreign to us, mm-hmm. um, that makes so much sense that we actually, um, should have a vested partnership, interest and responsibility to dictate the terms of our work life and be a part of the discussion of deciding how much is our work worth? Like yeah. what, um, do we deserve to be paid yeah. for the work that we do? It's a, it's definitely an ongoing conversation. And I think that, um, you know, I think specifically I would be, before we wrap this part of our discussion, I would love to hear if you can give an, a specific example or story in your journey in your life. Like you said that when you were living in San Francisco, you made almost nothing. And now you feel really like happy about what you're making and that there are certain things you can and can't talk about when it comes to money. For sure. How does that how does that show up in your reality? And if someone were to come and talk to you about money in regards to your life and your finances, what would you say? Well, on a one on one basis, I am happy to discuss with anyone like exactly how much money I make, what I get paid to do um, this, that and the other, um, how I negotiated or got to a place where I get paid this much what exactly is the work that I do as far as like, how is it valued? Totally. But, you know, because I work at an advertising agency, you know, with, uh, brands with bigger budgets, you know, I'm restricted from talking about like, how much would you spend on an influencer campaign in any given year for this, that, or the other, or how much money did you spend here? Um, I can't talk about that because, you know, I'm not allowed to. Yeah. Um, because there's a secrecy around around money. I mean, yeah, they don't want you to know what's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, that's the idea of like there's a certain level of privacy around, you know, how a business operates. Yeah. Do businesses talk to each other or how does a business figure out? Like, let's say you're you're representing three brands. Mm-hmm. Do you tell all three of those brands this is what your budget should be for influencer marketing for the year? Or do they tell you this is how much we want to spend for influencer marketing for the year? Well, it's I mean, at first it comes to like the point of convincing a brand of the value of doing that. Uh-huh. Um that's a whole conversation that needs to be had and mm-hmm. one first. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I will say, um, more and more money as being spent on influencer marketing, the budgets are getting higher, um, higher and higher. That doesn't actually mean that we're going to be, you know, you're going to be paid more to do the work that you're going to be doing. Just know that it is the case that that is a priority. Um, and then it's about, you know, making an argument of like, you need to spend X, Y, and Z to get A, B, and C or A, B, and C to get X, Y, and Z, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it's, I, I will just say I used to think um, money, like I used to think I n- never would have guessed um, what I thought a lot of money was <laughs> before, mm-hmm. you know, you change your idea of like what you think is a lot of money when you work in an industry that is awash in money. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. None of, none of which is yours. But- yeah. Money is a very relative scale. Like to someone, $5 is a lot of money. And to someone else, $500,000 is a lot of money. Yeah. And, and you know, to someone, $5 million isn't that much. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Right. It's fascinating and also like troubling, right? <laughs> um, you know, I think that we should live in a world where all of our basic needs are met. 
when we never have to worry about earning enough money to feed ourselves, to clothe ourselves, um, to house ourselves. And I think about like, what would our lives be like um, if we didn't have to earn money for those things? So for part two of this episode, we'll be bringing back Bernie Sanders. Oh my God, I love Bernie Sanders. Same. Did you watch um, uh, Larry David? No. Talk about like be Bernie Sanders? No. Oh my God, he like was, yeah. Aren't they cousins? Yeah, they're like distantly related yeah. cousins, which yeah. I love. I love that too. I mean, honestly, I feel like all Jews from Eastern Europe, such as myself, are probably like related in some way. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Is there anything else you want to talk about uh, with this before we go on to the social media Q&A? Yeah, I mean, I just talk about money. Start talking about it. Speak on it. You know, find out about it. Um, Get comfortable with it. That's really what I wanted to communicate. Yeah, I really love that. Most of all. Yeah. Yeah. I think... um, I think you nailed it. And I think just nailed it, nailed it, even just bringing it up, bring it up. Don't be, it's that, it's that thing. Like it's that undoing the, the phrase that is, that gets used in therapy, like undoing aloneness. Like people feel so alone and like, I don't know who to talk to about this or I don't therapy. Oh, me too. Uh. Um, so good. I don't know who to talk to about this. I don't know where to learn about this. I don't know. And it's just like, just. Just start, even if you literally are DMing one of us on Instagram, Mm -hmm. asking us, like, I'm into gardening and I really want to know how much does a gardener for the queen make? Right. We will try to help you. And I will say that is not at all relevant to my personal experience. However, maybe you should talk to this person. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe people know people. Connect them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I just I didn't want to just sit. I didn't want to just talk about race car drivers. I wanted to get to gardeners too. Yeah, I mean, many many random things. <laughs> I'm sure you want to get to, and I like it. Keep it up. Thanks. I like it. Stick around for part two of this discussion to hear a Q and A with Karen Doolittle about her social media practices. This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya?